power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? It's the greatest radio show ever. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. He's a very successful writer. Vince Murata. Let's cut the crap, Mr. Murata. Sarah Cazell. She's got a job working with a bunch of wackos. And Jerry Carlin. Why are you funny? Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Good morning, Valley sports fans. Happy Wednesday. The Wednesday that should be a Thursday. <laughs> Continuing a theme from yesterday. Uh, there will be no storming the court in the studios of Arizona Sports 98.7 FM today. There won't. But, but I thought last night watching Max Struess hit that shot that if Ooh. ever there were a game where an NBA crowd might want to storm the court, that would have been it. Right? For those who don't I, know, I Max Struess. I had the, the yeah. same thought watching those Just highlights. Just a gorgeous half-court shot at the buzzer it was to beat Luka in Dallas. 59 feet, they said. Yeah. It was it was a thing of beauty. Max Struess is okay in my book. Mm, be, yes. Be, because of the beat it, Luka Because he Dallas. shot it over Luka. <laughs> right? So petty. So petty. Any, look, I, I say this all the time. Anytime the Suns beat the Lakers is a good day. Anytime Luka loses is a good it's day. It's also a good day yes, in your book. Absolutely. I gotcha. It's not just my book. <laughs> no, I know. Everybody's I know. welcome to share my book. No, no, I know. I know. There's there's a lot of people who read that book. <laughs> who swear by that book. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, so that was interesting. And I also thought that all this talk about storming the court, one of the things that, that we kind of touched on very briefly as it related to Caitlin Clark and, and this other dude from Duke it is how they reacted in these court storming deals. And, and it's it, it reminded me that if you're an athlete and you have just been upset and you're the star player on the team that has just lost, it's very human to look for an excuse. It's very human to point to something. Oh, my arm. It's broken. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's very yes. human to do stuff yes. like that. I guess like there was similarities, but then the similarities ended when Caitlin Clark got hit on the court. At, where was uh, was that at Ohio State? I don't remember. I don't even remember where it was. Yeah. She kind of blew it off afterwards. Mm -hmm. She didn't make a big deal out of it. Right. Kyle Filipowski is like showing up, you know, at a a lawyer's office with a neck brace on. Well, he went full Duke. Just (laughs) saying. He did. He went full Duke. It was like uh, just the the, the fake agony, the faux agony on his face. My father will not be too pleased to hear about this. That's it it right there. That's it right there. Do you know who my father is? That's it right there. But it's also a very human thing to do. And I thought about playing tennis like if if you like tweak a hamstring a little bit okay and you're in the midst of a rally then you dump a forehand into the net you immediately grab your leg you're looking for something to take your failure off the forefront Mm -hmm. and that's what these guys and gals do in these court storming situations they know they're about to get into a locker room where their coach is probably going to ream their backside yeah, even, and, and this is something where they can go, no, look at this. It's funny, even the pro tennis players, if they double fault or if they hit a, a really bad shot, they all do the same. They look at their racket. Yeah, like <laughs> and they like take, they right. start like looking at things like right, what, what exactly. Happened? Yeah, what's wrong with the racket here? I know. What happened? It's a very human thing. It's it's. it's I will say that I, I, I am. I'm trying to grow with my self awareness as I get older. That's I'm, good. I'm pretty good at uh, not deflecting failure. 
I absorb failure I, pretty well. Yes. When get yes. Used to I have a lot. No, of, yeah. <laughs> a lot of practice. A lot, I got a lot of work. <laughs> and listen, it, I was told a long, long time ago, and I've told this to my kids too, in moments of failure where you're really disappointed in yourself, don't blow it off. Absorb it. Let it seep into your bones. Mm. That's how you deal with it. Mm-hmm. That's how it makes you stronger. Yeah, better. Yeah. Yeah. We'll make that same Don't mistake grab again. your hamstring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my arm. It's broken. My father will never tolerate this. <laughs> <laughs> he and his law partners. <laughs> You'll be hearing from my lawyer. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. All right, Ferret, start the show. The Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Splash. The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Suns with one more day off before they host the Houston Rockets at Footprint Center tomorrow night. Head coach Frank Vogel said Bradley Beal is making progress in working his way back from a hamstring injury that has kept him out of the last four Suns games. They've gone two and two in those games. And I don't know, just from my radar, Vic, it seems to be... Maybe there's some growing concern about this because I think this has lingered longer than anybody thought it yeah. would. Yeah, yeah, and and it just it's so hard to reconcile. How does a guy that tough when it comes to his nose and all? It, it, oh my hamstring! Struggle with this? It's tweaked. It, yeah, really, it it must be something a little more serious, yeah. right? It's got to be. Last night, oh, I in hope the he NBA. plays tomorrow. That's all I got to yeah. say. It'd be good to get him back for the last 24. Uh, or at least part of those 24. Last night in the NBA Wild Game in Cleveland, as Bick mentioned, Mavs leading the Cavs by one with 2.6 seconds left. No timeouts. Doesn't matter when you got Max Struess. Cavs out of timeouts. Struess into Mobley. Back to Max. Half-court shot. Good! Good! He hit it! Cavs win! is going crazy, but not storming the court. They're being respectful. (laughs) Strews credited with a 59-footer at the buzzer. Cavs beat Dallas 121 to 119. It wasn't just that shot for Max Strews. He Mm -hmm. had seven three-pointers in that game. He's a good player. Five of them came in the last three minutes and 42 seconds of the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yes. Cleveland has won 20 out of 24. Yeah. Uh, Chris, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, at at what point in time, I mean, are you taking the Cavaliers seriously? Not I su- yet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I wanted to last you, year, and then they flamed out against the Knicks in the uh-huh. first round. Uh-huh. Uh, Chris Paul returned for Golden State. Warriors beat Washington 123-112. Boston keeps rolling. Uh, they got a win over Philly 117-99. The Pelicans squashed the Knicks at MSG 115-92. Milwaukee, no problem with Charlotte, 123-85. San Ant- or, excuse me, Minnesota got past San Antonio by 9, and Oklahoma City notched a uh, 112-95 win over Houston. After last night's action, Suns are alone in sixth place in the Western Conference at 34-24. and 24, Half game behind New Orleans and a half game ahead of Sacramento. The Kings are in action tonight facing the Nuggets in Denver, so those standings could change mm. again. Mm, interesting. An- another night, another loss for the Arizona Coyotes. This one Ow! 
A 4-2 defeat on the road in Montreal. How long has it been since the Coyotes have won a hockey game? How long has it been? 84 years. 84 years! Uh, it's only been uh, over a month. Yeah, the entire month of fe- oh, for February. Yeah. Oh, boy. Similar plot. Yotes fell behind 2-0 early in the second. They played uphill the rest of the night. Nick Bugstad scored at 14-23 of the third period to cut Montreal's lead to four- 3-2. But Nick Suzuki. It's a cool name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tallied an empty net at three seconds left to seal the uh, deal for the Canadians. 13 straight for the Yotes. Continue the road trip tomorrow night in Toronto against Austin Matthews and the Leafs. d got worked in Cactus League play. 10-3, they lose to the Rangers at Salt River Fields. Eduardo Rodriguez made his spring training Arizona debut, got touched up for four runs on four hits. Marcus Simeon led off the game with a home run off of Erod, and the lefty ran into trouble in the second. Yeah. Gave up a three-run blast to Andrew Kisner. Rodriguez did not record an out in the second inning. D-backs uh, Cactus League schedule continues today out at Goodyear Ballpark. They will face the Cleveland Guardians at 105. D-back center fielder Alec Thomas has been uh, bothered by that sore wrist. He had an MRI earlier this week. Tori Lovello told the media Tuesday that uh, the MRI on Thomas's wrist showed inflammation but no structural damage. I'll have a couple days off. Camelback Ranch yesterday. Shohei Otani made his Cactus League debut with the Dodgers, and wouldn't you know it, he homered. Yeah. Two-run shot in the fifth inning off of White Sox reliever and former Diamondback Dominic Leone in the Dodgers' 9-6 win. Just about a week and a half ago, the Arizona Wildcats laid a 45-point beatdown on Bobby Hurley's Arizona State Sun Devils at McHale Center. Tonight, those two teams meet again on the floor at Desert Financial Arena in Tempe. The last regular season Pac-12 meeting between the rivals. Sun Devils come in at 14-14. and The sixth-ranked catch are 21-6, and 12-4 in conference play. That game gets rolling at 8. You can hear it with Tim Healy and Kyle Dodd on the call tonight, starting with pregame coverage at 7.30 on Arizona Sports on 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. ASU's football program announced its annual maroon and gold spring game will be held Friday, April 26th at 6 p.m. at Mountain America Stadium. Late, but better late than never, as they say. (laughs) And former Sun Devil head football coach Dirk Cutter heading back to Boise State as their offensive coordinator under Spencer Danielson. Cutter was the head coach at Boise from 1998 to 2000 before taking the ASU job where he led the Sun Devils from 2001 to 2006 and still looking for their first win in the state of California yeah. under Dirk Cutter. He's still only 65. I, I thought he was older, but... Dirk Cutter was always... He always struck me... I, when I heard his age, I thought he was always younger than he was. Mm-hmm. He, was a, he was a youthful for whatever age he was. Yeah. But, yeah... Going back to where wow. it all started. Wow. There you go. There's your splash for Wednesday, February 28th. Not the last day of February. We got a bonus day tomorrow. Coming up next, Cardinals at the Combine. Monty Fort Jonathan Gannon, both speaking on a number of subjects. We'll tell you what the Cardinals brass had to say. I'm here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's Wolf. The NFL Combine rolls. So what does Monty Ford hope to get out of Indianapolis this week? We get going at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. No, I have not. I have not. If you guys hear anything, uh, come come let me know. So 
No, I'm not surprised. No, we're sitting here at the end of February. We got we got a ways to go on that. I think everybody's still in the middle of their evaluation process. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of unknown right now um, about, again, somebody asked a question earlier about what's going to happen in front of us. I mean, we can sit here. Somebody could say, hey, I think I know what's going to happen. And nobody knows. Nobody knows. So, you know, I think those discussions, Josh, I, I think those happen more as we get closer to the draft into April. Um, you know, and I think that's what happened last year. Um, we didn't have a lot of discussions over um, our pick last year at this time. And even if we did, like, they would be so surface level that I don't think I could put any credence into them anyway. Um, so I'm sure those calls will come. And, I mean, we're going to make our fair share of calls, too. I think last year we proved that we were more than willing to uh, to move up, to move back, um, to stay put and pick. So, you know, I think those discussions will come a little bit further down the road. Monty Ossendorf. Monty Ossendorf, general mm-hmm. manager of the Cardinals, speaking at the media yesterday. Uh, one of the topics of discussion, any calls on that number four pick? He's right. It's only February. Yeah. Uh, they will happen. But... You know, if you judge how this timetable could unfold for the Cardinals and their place in the first round, obviously whatever the Chicago Bears decide. And it looks like all the headlines coming out of Chicago slash Indianapolis this week are they want to make a decision on Justin Fields and their quarterback position very quickly. So that obviously could set the wheels in motion for there right. to be chaos at the top of the first round, even in late February, early March. So, so okay, so the question then becomes, what is holding the Bears up? Is it that they have to sit down with Caleb Williams and, and get some sort of verbal assurance that, hey, you cool with Chicago? Yeah, and- You like Italian sausage? Yeah, I, I, I just have this article from The Athletic today. What does Caleb Williams want? The NFL can't wait to find out. There's yeah. like this air of mystery about his desires well, to play in certain because, places. Because there's been a lot of there's been a lot of little inferences and things yes. said and 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 conditions placed on the teams that might draft him. Uh, there was a minute when it seemed like his dad was it was kind of like steering this boat, if you will. And and people started to wonder is is he gonna pull a John Elway? Is he gonna pull a uh, who else did it? Eli Manning. Eli Manning. Yeah, such a nice boy too. Uh, can you imagine Eli Manning doing that? <laughs> exactly. Imagine saying you didn't want to play in San Diego. I t- <laughs> yeah. That's a life We're, goal of mine. I mean, yeah. that I live yeah. in San Diego right. at some point in my yes. life would be a life goal. Yeah. Dude, never gonna happen. To be fair, both Elway and Manning wound up being right. Oh, they were. They and did. won multiple titles with the Definitely. teams they right. went to. And, um, yeah. Go ahead. And in the case of John Elway, John Elway did not want to play for former ASU legend Frank Cush, mm-hmm. which was really all because Frank Cush was one of the old timey, tyrannical, authoritarian kind of types. Yeah. You know, run up the mountain now. <laughs> I'm not trying to be smirch, Frank Cush. I know he's a legend in these parts. He is, but he was. Uh, but he that was, was kind of his deal. Mm-hmm. That was kind of his deal. Um, not for everybody. So, uh, yeah. So I think that this is kind of what it's going to come down to. I think the Bears are probably, they probably know they have to take Caleb Williams. It, it, the, the PR of this is so, um, I, I can imagine it would be very, very restrictive. Because if you were a talent evaluator, if you were Ryan Poles and, and you looked at this and you said, hey, you know what? I think Drake May's a better quarterback. You still can't take him because you're the Bears and you have to make the obvious pick. You can't make the wrong pick here. Yeah. Who, are the, who are the Bears to show conviction about quarterbacks and then take the take the out of the box guy and be right about it? They've got no track record. It's a great point. It's a great. Imagine if the Bears were in that scenario last year and they and they were the team that made the Bryce Young pick over C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine? No. 
It no. has, that has the possibility of working out that way right. again. Uh, about that number four pick, and you can't go to any website that has a mock draft anywhere in the world and not find Marvin Harrison Jr. attached to the Cardinals at number four. Monty Austin Ford talked about doing some uh, diligence on the Ohio State receiver. Marvin's been a great player. He's been a productive player here these last couple of years. Um, you know, it's a strong receiver draft. It is. And so there's a, there's good players at the top of the draft. There's good depth throughout the mid-rounds. Um, you know, and so you can certainly put Marvin in that mix. And so, you know, really don't want to get into, like, an individual scouting report right now. All I can tell you is that, hey, like, we've done a lot of work on Marvin just as we have the rest of the draft. And, uh, you know, excited to wa- continue to work him through the process here in the next couple months. Yeah. Jonathan Gannon, the head coach of the Cardinals, also spoke to the media yesterday. He was asked about how he feels about the wide receiver room right now. I like it. I like it. Good blend of speed and and uh, size and ball skills. And um, I thought that they did a good job of getting better and better and better each week. Drew Terrell did an excellent job with those guys, especially working around, as everybody does, some of the injuries. Um, but uh, I like where that room's headed. Yeah. You know who got some love yesterday? What a dorch! <laughs> well done, Vinny. Uh, look, you might scoff when you hear Jonathan Gannon say he likes the, the, the condition of his wide receiver. What's he going to say? We need a lot of help in that area. Mm-hmm. You know, he did close that quote by saying, I like where it's headed. He knows there's help coming. Right. It might be Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm-hmm. It might be Malik Neighbors. It might right. be Roma Dunes. It might be somebody else later in the draft. We don't know. Uh, but that was not a strength of the well, football team. No, and and the more you read about this, because we are now in silly season of the NFL draft, mm-hmm. uh, the more you read about it, the, the draft is strong in some of the elite premium kind of positions. There's a lot of good wide receivers. There's a lot of good cornerbacks available. There's some good offensive linemen available. There's a lot of depth at those three positions. Not a which great I, edge draft, though. No, yeah. no. So that that's that's where you might have to spend if you're the Cardinals. And I'm not talking Chris Jones spend because that that bill is going to be monstrous. But you know that's it, it, so it, it's for what the Cardinals need. There's going to be surplus of those positions when there's not always surpluses. This is good. Yes. Um, about uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., where he played his college ball, Ohio State. If he's indeed the pick on April 25th at number four for the Cardinals, that would be a second straight top 10 pick from Ohio State. Paris Johnson Jr., the pick at number six last year. Monty Austin Ford was asked, hey, is there comfort taking Buckeyes? Yeah, I think that goes individual prospect to prospect. I mean, you know, there's certain guys come from certain programs and we have a little bit, maybe we have some uh, uh, familiarity with that program. We know what guys have been asked to do. Um, you know, other program we might not know. I think really it comes down to prospect as prospect, how we how we evaluate them both on the field and off the field. And, you know, I think really um, to say that just because a guy comes from one school, you know, it really doesn't translate to everybody's. So it's something that we have to evaluate on an individual basis. Yeah, and you should have comfort. I mean, that's a great football mm-hmm. program. Look what the Philadelphia Eagles have been able to do in drafting players from Georgia over the last couple of years. It's kind of working out for them. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, listen, I, and, and, and all the way back to Dennis Green, he was a big fan of draft the big school guys because mm-hmm. they're getting access to the best coaches, the best facilities, the best training, all that stuff. And there's something to be said for that. But what, what they don't get and what you get from the guys at, you know, Jackson State, Walter Payton, Southwest Missouri or Mississippi Valley, Jerry Rice, you don't get those guys with the gigantic chips on their shoulder. Yeah. Um, do you remember when Buddy Ryan was the head coach of the Cardinals? I where, do. Where he made a lot of his draft picks from? Kind of became a running joke after a while. He drafted a lot of Tennessee State guys. 
Did he really? A lot of? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I don't know if there was like a family connection or there something. There must have been. It, yeah. It was, was there like, was there a line of corruption? Was there something going on? Were there kickbacks or something? <laughs> no, I, Buddy Ryan, didn't Buddy Ryan have a horse farm in Tennessee? Didn't he live there? Uh, I think it part, part of the time. I'm going to look, I kind of look this up real quick. That was early 90s, Buddy Ryan, Tennessee State. Yeah, maybe I'm speaking. Can I, can I tell you those free agents? Did I ever tell you my, uh, my my funny Buddy Ryan story when I went to interview Which one? Him? Well, <laughs> so he had, he had taken over the head coaching job in Houston, and as a former Bear, he was a, a, a you know a person of great interest to Bears fans. So the Chicago Sun-Times sent me to the Oilers training facility uh, during training camp mm-hmm. to interview him. So we set it up, arranged it. Okay, we'll meet after lunch. Boom, boom, boom. Knocked on his office. He opened the door in pajamas. <laughs> Pajamas. He had just woken up from a nap, and it was like one thirty in the afternoon. Uh huh. He was the best. His ranch was in Kentucky, by the way, not okay. Tennessee. Uh, same place. I'll give you that. I'll give you same that. place. Great basketball. Great whiskey. Great oh, horses. Oh. Yeah. I'm gonna find this list of Tennessee State guys. I know it exists. Okay. Brent Alexander. There was a defensive lineman in there too. I'm, I'm not lying. I believe you. No, I believe you. <laughs> Coming up next, Suns taking the court tomorrow night against Houston. Will they have Bradley Beal back? We shall see, but we'll talk about it next. Pickley Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, Brad had a procedure on his nose, and, and hopefully uh, you know that has been reset and uh, is, be, is behind him. Uh, the hamstring is doing well, and um, you know we got to see how he responds to uh, yesterday's work. Uh, we'll have a practice today, uh, later today in Dallas, uh, which will really be able to, to get out and test it and see how it feels, but we're hoping to have him available. That was last Wednesday. Frank Vogel on this radio show during Newsmakers Week painting a pretty optimistic picture about the return of Bradley Beal. He had missed, uh, you know, hurt the uh, hamstring and missed the last game before the All-Star break, uh, but kind of made it sound like he might be available last week. He's Mm -hmm. missed three games since Since, then. Yeah, Uh, Yesterday at practice, Frank Vogel offered this Bradley Beal update. He did some of the no-contact stuff as well. Uh, Great progress. You know, I think you see him getting shots and he's making movements, but that's far from playing an actual game. So when you say progress with him. And more more sprint work. I mean, there's there's quick twitch stuff, which is uh, he participated in some of the shelf defense and all that stuff, half court. Uh, And then there's a full court sprinting where you're stretching out your legs. um, and your stride. Um, so that's where he was having, you know, some discomfort still. Uh, but he's making progress. What do you need to see in the next couple of days that would make you confident to put him out there on Thursday? It's not about me. I got to you know, determine where he's at with uh, his pain reporting, you know, and discomfort. See how much he's still feeling. With the increased work, and then you know, with increased work, how does it feel? How does it respond the next day? Right, which will be the case for tomorrow, and then tomorrow's work into Thursday. Yeah, still having discomfort was part of that sound by that exchange with the the media yesterday from Frank Vogel. So Mm. um, we talked about it briefly in the splash and you brought it up. It maybe was more serious than we thought. Maybe it was a case of Frank Vogel not having all the information last week coming back from the All-Star break, although the team had reconvened and was was in Dallas. Maybe uh, there was a setback or something re-aggravated. But um, frustration level seems to be growing among the fan base with Bradley Beal's lack of availability. He got it to a really good place. Mm -hmm. And I think... Playing through that nose 
the broken nose after he took that shot in Indiana, playing with that bad mask. Yep. He showed some toughness throughout that, and and I, I'm not going to sit here and say this is not a legit injury. I'm just talking about the reaction of the fan base because now, you know, you hear all this about the sprint to the finish, mm-hmm. how important these last 27 games were for the Suns, and they're not whole again. And it's concerning. Right. Yeah, it is. That's exactly right because, again, I— it, w- to me, the big three have to be on the court together to really assess roles, to really assess playoff rotation. Uh-huh. I, I, you can guess, and you might get it right, but it's it's this is difficult. I mean, Royce O'Neal is assuming um, a, a big role on this team, mm-hmm. as he should, but these guys have to play with each other in full at some point in time to really get that core identity, and that's a word that has really kind of eluded the Suns all year long. Because of injury. Yeah, and if you go back to last year's experience, I think we, I was certainly guilty of it in saying, oh, it's Kevin Durant. Even if it's only eight regular season games to get acclimated, how could they not be at full force when the playoffs roll around? Right. I think what last year told us, it doesn't matter what players you're talking about. You want to have the most possible time with your guys together. No doubt to about it. To build up those calluses and camaraderie for, for, for the playoffs. And also, just like Dan just said, it's not just the big three that need to play together. Yes. When the big three play together, then they need to figure out, well, where does Royce, Royce O'Neal fill exactly. in the rotation? Because right. Eric Gordon and Grayson Allen and all these, how do they fit these pieces well, in when there is yes. the big three? Yeah, and I was gonna I was going to say and it's very important in this particular case because I think when you look at the Suns and this concept of balance and the few games in which they've had multiple people, if not the entire starting lineup in double figures, team looks really, really good, but a a, a function of that is guys are feeling comfortable taking and making open shots. This is the thing w- with a guy like Royce O'Neal. Now I think Royce O'Neal's got a great uh self confidence about him, but but these guys have to feel comfortable as to, okay, what's my spot in this offense? When is it okay for me to chuck up this shot? And and when do I got to move the ball along? And and I think you've got to have Bradley, you've got to have all three on the floor to kind of get that vibe right. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. Uh, So we'll see. We'll hope for good news. Three uh, out of, they're in a stretch now, three of four games against the Houston Rockets. They lost to them last Friday. Mm -hmm. They get them home uh, Thursday and Saturday. Devin Booker was asked about that stretch of schedule. Yeah, yeah, that's why I like it. Um, kind of similar to the playoffs where, you know, you play a team, figure out what, what what worked and what didn't, and adjust from there. And, you know, being able to adjust on the fly and adjust quick like that is exactly what playoff basketball is. Um, so there's some that like it, some mm-hmm. that don't. Uh, the Rockets probably are not going to be a playoff team this year. I think uh, they're a couple years away from that, but yep. it could be valuable for the Suns mm-hmm. if, if you believe what Devin Booker's saying. I don't like it at all. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, but but here's what I do think. I think that um, these next coming games up against the Rockets, I, I think this is a really good time for the Suns, as I said yesterday, to come out of this little tiny mini three days of sort of resetting and getting ready for the final 24 games with a different kind of urgency. Mm -hmm. Because if they put forth the effort that they do, sometimes they'll beat the Rockets. They'll beat them twice. And that's what they should do. It's that's the element of this team that they can correct the the mysterious nights when they don't have their energy right and they don't play defense at the level they need to, and they don't close out on shooters the way they need to. If that's all fixable, if they if they're willing to do it.
That's, and and if they're willing to do that, yeah. and if they're w- willing to bring that additional levels of effort, they're going to beat the Rockets, and hopefully they're going to realize, okay, that's got to be foundational for yeah. us. The defensive side of the ball, I think you're right on the money. The offensive side of the ball has been up and down, too. The two games coming out of, of the All-Star break in Dallas and Houston were not vintage offensive performances by the Suns. The ball movement wasn't great. They corrected a lot of that against the Lakers on Sunday, 32 assists, and I pointed that out the day after. They get to that number of assists, it shows Mm -hmm. that the ball is being shared, showing confidence in shooters, shots are falling, but 32 assists, they're undefeated when they reach that mark, 11-0. Devin Booker talked about how they want to play on offense. Yeah, they want to play faster. Um, It obviously looks better with Brad out there and um, just more emphasis on the paint and him getting by people and causing rotations. you know, you get a lot, a lot of clean looks. From, you know, we have that line, all three of us out there getting by our man and just making the right play. Yes, yeah, so we'll see what that looks like uh, when the Rockets come to town tomorrow um, and then Saturday. And Saturday's the mm-hmm. big uh, Amari Stoudemire Ring of Honor night. Stats going up into the rafters. Yeah, as he should. Yeah. Just as think, he should. if it wasn't for the All-Star break and then this weird stretch of schedule, Bradley Beal could have missed an extra, like, four games of the season here. That is true. Look at you finding a silver lining, Jarrett. Yeah. It could be a, could have been I'm a just, yeah. <laughs> Coming up next, uh, John Rahm is still answering questions about his jump to live golf, but... He's not answering all of them. We'll get it. And, <laughs> and some people aren't answering him. Yeah. We'll get into all of that next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's Luke. After our first trip out to Salt River Fields this season, what's in store for the D-backs in 2024? We get going at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Well, it's it's a change, right? The best way I can explain it is, live golf wasn't a thing or a possibility for us growing up. PGA Tour was the pinnacle of golf, right? This is a new change, a big change, and I, I don't want to skip through this point because there's no point. A big change in the way the, the golfers get compensated. I'll be lying if I said it wasn't a big part of it. In a nutshell, I'm getting paid more to play the same sport and have more time. I don't know about most people, that sounds great to me. That's John Rahm, uh, sit-down interview he did with ESPN's Marty Smith on uh, why Live Golf was right for him and focused mm. on the financial yeah. part of it. It was a very interesting interview from a number of uh, from a number of questions that Marty yeah. Smith asked because John Rahm, uh, we talked about it when he made the jump, how disappointed you were, how mm-hmm. disappointed a lot of people were after mm-hmm. he had uh, declared his fealty to the PGA Good word. Tour, using Good that word, word two years ago and completely did a 180 about it. So to hear him admit, it's, yeah, it's financial. Um, but uh, Marty Smith also asked John Rahm about the reaction uh, from Rory McIlroy, who at one time was a very outspoken critic mm-hmm. of Live Golf and has kind of softened his stance, and also the reaction from Tiger Woods, who's not said a lot on it publicly. Uh, listen to John Rahm's answer on this. Rory, well, I mean, Rory has been supportive publicly of my decision, and uh, he was privately as well. Tiger, no, not really. I mean, Tiger... I texted him and the people that tried to reach out, you know, throughout the process when I signed and I just let him know, hey, you know, this is a personal decision. I have nothing against anybody. <laughs> and Tiger hasn't responded. And Tiger has ghosted him. <laughs> Good for you, Tiger. Yeah. Did he text his real phone or his burner phone? Oh, or? which phone did he get? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Um, listen, I, I think it's fascinating that, that Tiger will say nothing at all about this, and Rory has gone soft on this, and I don't think Rory has changed his mind. I think Rory just feels used and abused, and I don't think I don't think Rory's going to, like, wave a flag for anybody anymore. Yeah, but, I mean, that's one way to look at it, and, and you might be absolutely right that, you know, Rory McIlroy just figured, why am I the one fighting this fight so vocally when I'm not getting much yes. in terms of, of yes. backup? Or... Right. Uh-huh. Maybe it's Rory McIlroy getting weakened by the whole thing and seeing the dollar signs because they're going to come after him, too, at some point. Well, listen, uh, there's there's already um, speculation they're going after Hideki Matsuyama, um, who is an incredibly popular player in Japan. And there's speculation that that would be another major piece for Liv um, to kind of snag and and again, there's some there's a lot of stuff happening here, Vinny. And what's interesting about this is you've got the Masters coming up now. Um, one of the biggest stories in golf is something called the World Golf Rankings. Now, this yes. doesn't mean anything in the moment, but down the road, it's going to it's going to mean something. There's a handful of live players who have got exemptions into the majors, and there's a feeling that if you're a golfer and you play in the if you play on the DP World Tour, if you play on Live, it doesn't matter if you get in the majors in America. That's all you need from this country. That's 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 plenty of sizzle and all that stuff. Okay, so there's that point to be made, and the Masters to date have shown no inclination whatsoever to restrict their field. In fact, uh, they invited any number of live players. They gave Joaquin Neiman, who would not have otherwise qualified, an invite because he belongs there because he's one of the best golfers in the world. And, and one of the guys who didn't get in, as we're going to get into, is Taylor Gooch. The Gooch! The Gooch! Now, now this guy, this guy, you talk about a guy who has gotten fat, not literally. We talk about a guy who's gotten paid yeah, he had one PGA Tour win, mm-hmm. over $9 million in career earnings. In two years at Live, he's got three wins, and he's made $46 million. <laughs> but he didn't mm-hmm. get the invite, right? so he's got his panties in a bunch about yes, it he now. Does. And now he's, you know, uh, he's also spouting this, because the, the world golf rankings are, are still being used for, for major invites, and these Live golfers are not accruing these points. But how can they? They play 54-hole tournaments. Exactly. They it, can't accrue them. They all think it's a conspiracy. Play real golf. <laughs> but he also suggested if Rory McIlroy wins the Masters coming up in Augusta, that would be the last title he went he would need for a career Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. He has not won the Masters. He'd say, He's saying it would be, you'd have to put an asterisk by it because the live the, these live golfers like him, like Taylor, it's a goochless Masters, so it wouldn't count as much. <laughs> Here's what's happening, though. This is what's really, really happening in golf. So you got these world rankings that they're going to become an issue in, in the coming years when there's no very few people from live who qualified to be in these majors what happens then but more to the point if you're a young fan of the sport of golf you're not digging this one bit because golfers are coming off as excessively greedy going playing only for the money not caring about things that generally appeal to fans like lineage and history and meaning and the generational link that should should run through sports to give it context and to give it texture and to give it meaning all that stuff doesn't matter to these guys it's just about getting paid well there's a younger audience now that can't find live if they wanted to and looks at the PGA tour and like who am i watching you know, I still watch this stuff because I'm a dork. 
But most, what a dork. Thank you. But most people look at these fields now and go, Where's Taylor Gooch? <laughs> where's the No, where's the, yeah, let's where's be honest. the Gooch? But no, most people if Tiger's not playing, most people don't. It's not like no, no, John Rahm was a huge no, draw. No, 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 no. You're behind the times here, just a little bit. Because sport, because golf as a grassroots sport has grown tremendously. Where the audience is moving, and this will be, this is mind blowing to you. But social media influencers in the sport of golf are incredibly popular. There's a show you can get. It's called Good Good Golf. It's these four, eight friends. They travel the country. They film it. They have fun. That show and what. What they're doing is so popular and they are getting so rewarded. They had to hire a CEO to come and manage them. Paige Sporonic. There's any number of new. Never ones. heard of her. Yes, Paige Sporonic. <laughs> there's any number of golf influencers out there. They're, I mean, they're, seriously, they have got traction in this sport because they're offering something that is not so stead and boring and what a heroic shot. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. I'm just saying, so it, it, if you were going to forecast, if you had long-term vision in the sport of golf, something's got to get reconciled here. Because the best players are not playing each other. The lot of them are coming off as greedy yeah. jerks. John Rahm said, look, I would love to come back and play PGA Tour events at some point. Um, and, and he's won a lot of those events. But he also, there was a question, a very pointed question from, from Marty Smith. And you remember when Live Golf popped up, you know, as a, a result of this public fund from, from Saudi Arabia and immediately got termed sports washing. They're using sports to soften their image in the United States of America, and they're throwing money at it. And that was you know, that was the big initial narrative about Live Golf. Marty Smith asked John Rahm about that, and I, I think Rahm completely sidestepped the question. I think the fact that they've made an effort to be involved with the PGA Tour and support the PGA Tour all along is, is a testament that they're not there to take over and make the PGA Tour go away. I think it's that simple. I never knew if that was the goal or not, but after talking to the people in charge, I know that's not the that's not the goal. Yeah, he specifically asked him about the sports washing narrative, and he talked about, well, they're not trying to take over the PGA Tour. What, really? Really? <laughs> really? They all always avoid that question. Oh, my oh, God. Bill you can't, has tried oh, every boy. different angle to avoid <laughs> that not, one. You're right about that. There's not a way you can win answering well, that question. Uh -huh. <laughs> Your boss, their bosses are very volatile. Let's put it that way. Yeah, so um, it's just it's really really a shame. Um, I I think I think the Masters is going to be good. Did you see John Rahm's Masters dinner invitation? At the bottom of the invite, he's asking all PGA Tour pros to meet on the ninth green and or at the 18th or somewhere at 9 p.m. And I don't know whether it's sort of a uh, uh, let's 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 get our minds right before we walk in there and have dinner. Happy happy it's a Happy reference. Gilmore situation. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. He's, he's going to turn on the sprinkler, uh, right? Okay. I, all right, it's all a right. prank on forget, all the uh, PGA. That's a, that's another the, that's another movie I have not seen to its entirety. It is funny that the the Masters, which is all about the tradition, unlike any other, and the history of golf, is just caving and you know doesn't yeah, care they, 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 at Augusta they said they don't care if you play on the PGA Tour they don't care if you play in the Live Tour you are welcome here as long as you're not a woman <laughs> <laughs>
I saw that coming. <laughs> All right. But that's not no. true. It was still but good. But that's not was, true anymore. I, I know. 2000. It's, good, it's, it's been about 10 joke. years. It's y- been 10 y- years. Your golf perspective is about 10 years I know. out of date. Well, it's, well, that's it's, last. Because you're still in this era that only Tiger draws ratings. Tiger has played in six tournaments in the last five years. Yes, and how have the ratings been for <laughs> golf compared to when Tiger was playing? I'll tell you what, though. If Jared's only 10 years behind on golf, that's way more current yeah, than yeah, most of my pop culture references. And his clothing and his wardrobe. You are the oldest person on this show. <laughs> regardless of regardless what, of what my age say. happens to be. Coming right? up next, we know for a fact the Arizona Cardinals social media team really appreciates Kyler Murray. How do the uh, decision makers in the front office feel? We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.